we are being poured into our minds with so many different things such as politics, Hollywood, social media, that students are just constantly focusing on different things, focusing on themselves. And I think it's important more than ever that we find our truths and who we are and root those things uh, in the Bible and in Scripture. So today in this episode, students are speaking out on their beliefs about the Bible. We've got some very fresh data as we record this from students themselves about their own thoughts and interactions and beliefs when it comes to the Bible. We're going to get into it today. Can't wait. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And I'm Becca Evenhock. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Well, we've got Becca with us here, which is someone new on staff and never the same. Becca, we're longtime friends. Good to have you here. Thank you. Welcome back. And today we're talking about something that is an area of expertise for you, talking about the Bible and students. So we're going to we're going to get into some practical things later in terms of what this means for our youth ministries. But as we start this episode, the three of us today will be talking about what students are saying about the Bible and some research and surveys that we did summer of 2022. Again, as we always remind you, if you didn't catch last episode of the Thought Factory, it was about students and sexuality and their thoughts on that. And obviously that's something that is very prevalent today in discussions with students and in society. That's a great episode to listen to. The episode after this one that's coming up is also really an interesting one because we're going to be talking about how youth ministry has changed in the last few years specifically, um, especially as it relates to COVID. And Kyle Wood and Jason Brewer here will be uh, leading that episode talking about their experience coming back into local youth ministry after being out for a few years and just some of the significant changes. Sometimes especially if you're involved right now regularly in youth ministry, it's like being around a child that's growing up. It changes a lot, but you don't realize it until you take a step back and look. And, and this episode will be very revealing about how youth ministry is changing right now, right before our eyes. So that's an episode you don't want to miss. So today, in talking about students in the Bible, we want to start just by looking at some general statistics and Barna Research. If you're not familiar with Barna, you can find out more information there at Barna.org, B-A-R-N-A, Barna.org. But they're consistently doing research about lots of things when it comes to faith and culture and how that interacts. And they have a stat here where they've learned that 65% of Americans identify, self-identify as Christians, but based on their actual beliefs and behavior, only 6% have a biblical worldview. And that's important as it relates to where we're going to go today. And we're asking the question, what is your youth ministry doing to build a biblical worldview in your students? And we're going to talk about three components that you need to do that, and we're going to get to that later in the episode. Make sure you stick around because these three components really are absolutely critical for you if you want to build a biblical worldview in your students. But, Jason, there are some other stats there that Barna helps us get a good grasp before we start talking about the Bible about other worldviews. 
The Barna research actually was looking at the competing worldviews that influence today's Christians. And I thought that was really interesting because, like you said, as a child grows up, you don't notice the changes as much. We may not realize what types of worldviews are influencing our faith, our belief in, in Christianity. They have this research that um, basically looks at the different influences. So one of the stats was 61% agree with ideas that are rooted in new spirituality. And you may go, what is new spirituality? Somebody might say that right now while they're listening. And this worldview teaches that God is in everything. And you go, oh, that doesn't sound too bad. God is everywhere, you know, omnipresent. What's the difference? And really, when you start to look at new spirituality, that God is not just in everything, he is everything which means that every person is a God. And if you are a God, then I'm a God, and we become our own objects of worship. And so when you start to have that belief that's rooted in something other than Christianity, you start to believe things that are not biblical. And then another stat was 54% resonate with postmodern views. And you may wonder what postmodern is. That, that, what does that even mean? And that's like a, a late 20th century movement characterized by broad skepticism, subjectivism, relativism, a general suspicion of reason, and a really a, a, acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power. It's, it's really questioning a lot of things of tradition and questioning a lot of things that are just man-made or you know in religion would fall into that and so some of the claims some of the world views in postmodern views 54 percent resonate with those views which are not biblical so that that right there i mean jason you're talking about it over 50 percent in these first couple ideologies that that barn is saying are are in a lot of christians 61 percent with new spirituality what they call and 54 percent with Postmodernic views; th those two things are 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 prevalent not only in adults, but we believe in students. And they wouldn't say it. You, you obviously wouldn't hear students say, "Hey, I'm a postmodernist," you know. But <laughs> but it's there within them, and they probably don't even know it. Right. It's really subtle. It, yep. They just start to believe in such ways without when you don't know the Bible, and you can't don't compare it to something. You just gravitate towards that belief as if it's good and when right. it's it's one degree off that one degree in navigation is going to take you way far away from your destination another stat that that was interesting in this find is 36 percent accept ideas associated with marxism marxism is karl marx um a worldview based on his his theories and his writings that promote the Abolition of private property, public ownership of the means of production, uh, socialism, and the utopian dream of future communistic state, which communism is classless and stateless utopia society, which all property is commonly owned, and each person is paid according to his or her abilities and needs. So it's basically working in common uh, through production. And so 36% accept that idea that things need to be 
shared across the board that we don't have the right to own anything and um and so where does that come from when you start seeing that in society i would i would say there too jason that one of the things that you may hear that and go oh that sounds great but but the the foundation of the marxist ideology is atheism and materialism right and humanism yes so it really is a whole ideology based on the fact that there is no god and that that's really some of the other things about like sharing property and all that you know we may agree or disagree but it's really what that ideology is built upon that I think mm-hmm. is important for us to understand when it comes to what's infiltrating the worldview of what um, a lot of people would say is affecting their view, and they would claim Christianity as their faith. And that really leads to the last stat that I pulled from this is 29% believe ideas based on secularism. And, you know, we we can be teaching about, you know, Christianity versus the secular world and we may hear that be said in churches where the secular world exists around us and all that stuff and it's like what does that really look like and you know christians believe that we are we have sinned and their sin everyone has sinned while seculars do not believe that there's sin at all um christianity believes that human behavior starts with a heart so when we start to look at issues like for instance bullying and it's like here let's put this program in or racism let's put this program in and tell everybody to not do that well people are going to continue to do that until their heart is changed that's a christian belief but secularism is basically saying human behavior is determined by external forces like education or income and so the reason this exists is because a lack of education or a lack of income or something like that all that kind of goes into secularism, eliminates God, just like Marxism, communism. It, it's, it's stemmed from an atheistic point of view where if you don't know this and you just agree to just a few things that are a part of these worldviews and you try to pair it with a biblical worldview, it, they're in contrast. If we don't know where our our students are believing and what they believe and if we're not guiding them towards a biblical worldview naturally they're going to take on some of these other worldviews mm-hmm. it just sounds like there's a ton of confusion out in the world and a lot of th- different things to believe in and yeah if we don't have that foundation of scripture if they're not you know receiving that somewhere or someone's not telling them that that's important a lot of these other things can creep in and you know that can cause different beliefs and cause these different um, ideologies in their life. Yeah, that's a great point, Becca, too, because there, there is a vacuum there within the, the minds and hearts of young people, mm-hmm. especially. They're looking to fill it. This is when they're being formed. We often talk about youth ministries when the cement is still wet, so to speak, in their beliefs and behaviors, and that's why we believe that it's so important that that we do invest in young people in this stage of their life. So, Jason, thanks for taking us through that, because that gives us a really a good background perspective on just where a lot of worldview um, is coming from within a lot of Christians and now let's let's really let's really zero in on what students are saying themselves we're gonna go through just some of the the things that that students are speaking out about and then like I said we're gonna get to three basic components that you need if you want to build a biblical worldview within the students that you influence but we asked students 
how often do you read the Bible? And they could respond by saying every day, three to five times a week, one to two times a week, or they don't read the Bible. And this was a survey done of over 2,000 students from all across the country. And here's what we found out. The students that were asked how often you read the Bible, the ones that said they read it every day, 8%. The ones that said they read it three to five times a week were 15%. And the ones that responded the most, the highest, by the highest percentage, were the ones that said they read the Bible one to two times a week. That was 44%. And then one-third said they don't read the Bible ever. So if you look at that in a couple different ways, 77% of students, a pretty high number there, said that either they don't read the Bible or they maybe read it one to two times a week. Now, I'm going to make an assumption here of you listening. If you're if you're taking the time to listen to this podcast about youth ministry and about influencing students, then I would assume you're saying you would ideally think it would be better uh, for students to be reading the Bible more than one to two times a week. So hopefully that's a f- uh, safe assumption for our audience here. So that being the case... How do we change that statistic? 77% of students aren't reading the Bible hardly at all throughout their week. And a bright point here is 8% are reading it every day. But the question we want you to be continually asking, specifically as you're listening to this episode, is what are you doing to maybe change those statistics within the students that you have influence in? I would even say another bright spot is that 67% are engaging so you have them at that first point of even opening the Bible. Mm-hmm. So how can we move them further along to get them reading more consistently and, and more times? And it's not about like a magic number necessarily. It's not about the legalism of, of just having to do this every single day. It's about engaging in a relationship with God and how he speaks to us through his word and his truth about who we are and the world that we live in. And so... When we are getting them to that point where they're sitting down and opening the Bible, that's a a win, a celebration for us to get them to go, all right, I see this important to do it every single day. How can we as as youth leaders and and volunteers and parents and investing in the lives of students to get them to go further along to engage that word? Because we have even seen stats in the past where the more that they're engaged the less uh, the the negative behavior, I guess, drinking, sexual behavior, language, that diminishes drastically when mm-hmm. when a student is engaging with the Bible four times out of a week. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because it is to look, you know, at the brighter side. It is students are reading the Bible. They are in the word and God can use that no matter what. And so, yeah, how do we continue to progress that forward and uh, get them to um just love the word and want to share it with others. Yeah, I like that too. And I think when I think about it, I've always thought when working with students, how do we motivate them to do that? And I I often really relate it to physical exercise there. I I believe just the, the, the more leadership experience that I've seen in my own life, I've seen that the importance of discipline in some specific key areas, you know, Jason, I know you mentioned, um, you know, the the dangers of a legalistic approach. 
And I totally get that. And I think that, you know, we, we need to be saying to students, we're not, we don't want to motivate you out of guilt and shame. Right. And it's important. And we want you to see, like, I often, the number one thing I hear, I've heard for 30 years as a, you know, a person in ministry leadership is how do I hear God's voice? How do I know God's will? And yet most of the time, a lot of those people asking those questions don't have a foundation of, of a regular habit of Bible engagement in their life. Because when you do, all of a sudden you, you're getting a steady drip of God's voice in your life every day. And over time that really accumulates and you start to get to know who God is. I often tell people when you read the Bible, it's like hanging around a friend. Like you can learn a lot about a friend that you have and how they respond in certain circumstances, not because you know all the trivia and stats about your friend, but because you've been around them and you've seen how they've responded in different situations. Like, what makes them angry or sad or confused or whatever. And so I think I would also say this on the other side, that just like physical exercise, you can say, well, I can be legalistic about exercise, but here's one thing we know. If you, if you exercise and you discipline yourself in a, in a quote unquote legalistic way, even though you don't feel like doing it most days, you'll see the results. And I would say the same thing about Bible engagement. If you do it when you don't feel like it, and I think students need to hear that and be reminded that sometimes, open up that Bible on your phone or a physical Bible, even when you don't feel like it. In fact, especially when you don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. because it'll make a difference. I agree completely. That motivation diminishes, it increases, it it wanes. You know, it comes and goes. You aren't always motivated. You get home late one night and you aren't motivated to open up the Bible and read, but discipline when you're consistent with it is going to say, I'm going to continue this chain. I'm going to just keep doing it because that's what I've been doing for the last X number of days or months or years. And so then you sit down and you open and you engage with the, the word, even if you don't feel motivated at the time, like you said, working out a lot of times you aren't motivated to do something that's hard for your body. But if you're disciplined to do it, even when you start small and that small increment can just increase, it's going to get you the ball rolling, so to say, in your life to get that that habit to continue. Absolutely. So let's look at that next question we ask. Uh, I believe we ask students this question to answer for themselves. I believe the Bible is important and relevant to my life. And so their responses could be along the range of they strongly agree, somewhat agree, neither agree nor disagree, right in the middle, somewhat disagree or strongly disagree. So again, the question was, I believe the Bible is important and relevant to my life. Here's what we found. Students that said they strongly agree that the Bible is important and relevant to their life, 63%. That was the number one answer by far. And... So you look at that answer and you go, okay, that's that's definitely a bright spot. Students are saying, I believe it's important to me. Somewhat agree, 21%. Neither agree nor disagree, 13%. Somewhat agree, 2%. And strongly disagree, only 1%. So we see there the numbers definitely skew towards this idea that the Bible is important. And yet when we um, go back to are they reading it, the answer is, by and large, not as many are reading it as they're saying it's important. And we're going to talk later in the episode about why that is. 
All right, so the next question um, we ask students is, what's the number one reason that you want to read the Bible? And if you're working with students on a regular basis, you want to hear the answer to this question. What, what are students saying? What are they speaking out when it comes to the Bible? So we ask them, what's the number one reason you want to read the Bible? Their uh, responses were either it makes me feel close to God, it helps me make good decisions, someone encourages me to read it, I gain knowledge about spiritual things, or I don't read the Bible. Here's what we found. 41% said the number one reason that they want to read the Bible is because it makes them feel closer to God. 13% want to read the Bible because it helps them make good decisions. 7% said the number one reason they read the Bible is because someone encourages them to read it. 27% do it to gain knowledge about spiritual things. And 12% said they don't read the Bible. So looking at some of these numbers, obviously the one that sticks out there is that they want to do it so that they feel closer to God. I don't know how you guys respond to that statistic. I think it's awesome. I mean, students want to be close to God, and then they want to know more about spiritual things. Um, if we go back to those stats, it gets a little confusing because yet they don't read it, but they know they want to read it, and then they want to feel close to God. But I feel like there's just a lot of confusion, and it goes also back into the stats we said earlier. There's so many other different things feeding into their brain, yet they're all confused, and they just don't know where to go. So what better thing to do than have, you know, important people speaking into their lives and telling them that, that, you know, this is the way, the truth, and the light. When we are talking to students and it's asking them the why, why should we read the Bible? Why is it important? And they, they already know that it, it gets them closer to God. They feel this connection with God. They, they can hear his voice more prevalent. All these things that that God, just by the byproduct of being in his presence, you know, just sensing his presence in your life and knowing his word and his truth, and it allows them to make good decisions. Like, that was another answer. And yes, you do gain knowledge about who God is, a spiritual attribute to him, you know, it, to the world around us. And and so there's other reasons, but all that really draws us closer to God. And they may not be able to specifically put words to it, but that's what happens when you can sit down and be in the presence of God. And you may not always experience that. That's why discipline and consistency matters, you know, but if they just are going to do it only when they feel like it or motivated or shortly after a spiritual high and it dwindles and then they're they put it down for a while and then they never pick it back up. You know, they know some of these things, but why are they not able to just continue that relationship? Yeah. We've got two more questions here. We want to look at, and then we're going to talk about what we can do as a result in our youth ministries. Here's the next question. This one really t is very revealing. We asked kind of the opposite side of the last question. What's the number one reason that you don't read the Bible as often as you like or at all? So here students are telling us why, the number one reason why they don't read the Bible. So we've already seen, Becca, and you gave great insight there about some of the, the layers behind these questions. You know, as we, as we kind of collectively look at this data, we're seeing things kind of between the lines here and underneath the surface. 
Um, so what's the number one reason you don't read the Bible? Here's what students are saying. 26% said they don't have enough time. 3% said they don't think it's important. 3% said they don't know how it relates to their life. 31% have another reason, so that could be very varied in their response. But here's the number one reason that students are saying they don't read the Bible. And listen to this. You need to hear this. They don't know where to start. 37%. So more than one in three of students in our youth ministries are saying, I want to read the Bible. I don't know where to start. And we often say in our circles of our ministry, when you pick up a physical Bible, and you see it there in your hands, it's like almost like picking up a science textbook. It's huge. You know, you got all this volume of information. Right. It's not in chronological order. It's from an, another era. There's different culture and cultural references in there. It's translated from another language. There, there's so many complexities and obstacles. And so for a student, it's like, well, where do I even begin? Do I start at the very beginning in Genesis? Do I start in the Gospels with Jesus? And again, if Students are unfamiliar with Scripture. They even know what we're talking about there when we say the Gospels. I'm going to throw it off topic, but it's like looking at the Star Wars universe and the <laughs> movies and asking yourself, if you never watched anything, where do I start? Oh, yeah. I was just talking with a dad. It's funny you say that last week who was introducing his students to Star Wars, and they were talking about where do you start? Do you start with the originals? Right. Do you start with the prequels? I've had that conversation. I've had that own thought of, like, if there's... If there's so many movies and you want to introduce somebody that's young and you're like, where do you start? Because you start at the beginning where it's kind of boring, but it gives you the backstory. Or do you start in the middle from the originals so that the children will kind of gravitate towards certain characters and, and understand the concepts and stuff like that so that the beginning makes more sense? All right. So we're going to do a quick survey here. Becca, what do you think? Where would you start? About Star Wars? Yeah. Uh, no opinion. No opinion. I care for Star Wars, but... Just anywhere. Just anywhere. throw a dart. Just, oh, uh, four. Episode four. Wow. She <laughs> hit the bullseye in my That's eye. right. <laughs> That's what I would say, too. Start right in the originals. Right. Exactly. Yep. We're all in agreement. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. All right. To bring it back, actually, <laughs> to the Bible, <laughs> this stat of 37% of students say that they don't know where to start, that's why they're not reading the Bible, is actually kind of exciting because it's a very practical thing for yes. us to do. You know, we can practically tell them, you know, hey, let's start in the Gospels or, you know, start reading the Psalms or whatever it is. It's a very practical way to get them instead of, you know, something different that's a little far off or not tangible. So, Yeah, that really is. And that, that is, that's, that's a good news statistic right there. That's a great point because... It's something very practical that you can do. And I would say this, in the five years that we've done this research, we've asked this question, and this consistently is the number one answer. Students are saying, I want to do it. I don't know where to start. So keep that in mind as a youth worker. Here's the last question we ask students. When reading the Bible, I most often read, and we wanted to see just who they're reading with, whether it's alone or with others. So their responses could have been, I read in a group. I read with my parents, I read alone, or I don't read the Bible. Here's what we discovered. Number one answer is they read alone. 60% of students say, when I read the Bible, I most often read by myself. The next highest answer 
uh, is they read, if they're doing that, they read in a group. 23% said they do that most often when they read the Bible. I would assume probably that's a lot of students that are reading it like when they go to church or in youth group, and that's probably the only time they read it. 5% said they read it most often with their parents. I think that's kind of interesting. And then we have 12% that say they don't read the Bible. That's um, what we saw in the last question. So probably no surprise, but students are reading the Bible alone, you know, 6 out of 10 of our students. All right, so that gives us a good, a good background. In the next segment, what we want to talk about is some practical things, specifically three components that your youth ministry needs to build a biblical worldview in students. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Okay, so let's talk about three components that your youth ministry needs to build a biblical worldview within students. And here's the first one. They need consistent biblical content. Here's what that means. Consistent biblical content is a weekly or regularly, whatever your group meets and however they meet, whatever gathering that looks like. It could be home gatherings, maybe specifically small groups where small group leaders are doing the bulk of the teaching or a big room component. But it's this adult-to-student transfer of, of teaching and content. They need consistent biblical content. And more specifically, I would say, um, not just topical speaking, not just picking a topic and kind of having a verse to go with it, but specifically, if you want to build a more biblical worldview and be very specific and strategic, I want to highly encourage you to to think about a more exegetical approach. That's a big fancy word that that is kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum from topical. So topical is, hey, we're going to talk about identity. That would be more of a topical approach. More of an exegetical approach is we're going to go through the book of John together, say, for example, in the Bible. And, and I think I would just encourage you to lean more towards the exegetical approach because what you'll find is and this is someone who's done this for over 20 years in youth ministry, you'll find the topics in there already. There are the, All the topics you want and need to talk about to students are in the Scripture, but my goal is always I want them to, to know the stories, to know the background more than just talking about topics, and it just always felt like it resonated more. And this is coming from someone who's kind of done both, more of a topical approach as opposed to more exegetical and in order to be consistent and continually having that biblical content the second component that you your youth ministry needs is a scope and sequence which ultimately is an overarching plan a plan of where you are going the roadmap for your youth ministry the number of years that your students are in your youth ministry matter and so how can you leverage and take advantage of those years and really get the most out of it take the the time that you have for a high school student and map out the next four years what do you want to teach them what do you want them to learn what do you want them to graduate with the truth that they are rock solid knowing that when they graduate and go off to college that they're not wavering or questioning but you've led them to a point of certainty where they they know the bible they know their faith they they know the the foundations and everything like that and so 
But if you don't have that scope and sequence and you're just kind of throwing topics out or you're just throwing, you know, certain books of the Bible out. And by the end, there's not this strong sense of I know my faith really well because I've just gone all over the place. You, you just don't know where you've traveled. But a scope and sequence is important because it just gives us uh, a very clear path for those students. When you think about our school systems, they they do this. They they have a scope and sequence for their educational system. What are the things when our students graduate, the certain marks or achievements that they want them um, to be able to cover? And that that's important. And I think if anyone needs to have a plan, it's the church. Now, you may be listening to this going, if, especially maybe if you're a volunteer and you go, I'm overwhelmed by the thought of sitting down and thinking about several years of planning. But there are resources out there. We're going to talk about one specifically here in a couple minutes. But but just thinking about having a plan, like you're saying, Jason, is really, really important. Yeah, and that third component um, to have in your youth ministry would be a strategy that integrates into their world. So engaging them outside of the church programming. What can we do to pull out those you know, topics that we've talked about, those conversations that we've had inside the church walls, and how can we have that outside? How can they be talking in groups with their friends? How can they be talking to these things to their uh, peers at school? Uh, what kind of things can we do? Bible studies outside, uh, or text reminders to pray, to read scripture, little notes in their lockers, things like that. How can we continue to um, have these conversations outside the walls? If you're going to have a checklist here, I want you to think about your youth ministry right now. Are you hitting these three components? Are, do you have a consistent, do you have consistent biblical content? Do you have a scope and sequence? And do you have a strategy that integrates into their world? In other words, in other words, do you have a strategy that goes into a student's daily life outside of your youth ministry programming component? Because Really, it's critical that you have to have those three things. Now, some of you listening, you may say, well, I have, we have consistent biblical content, but we don't have a scope and sequence, and we don't have anything that really integrates outside of youth group into a student's daily life. Some of you may say, you know, we have a scope and sequence, but we don't have maybe consistent biblical content, or we don't have a strategy. And some of you may say, well, we have a strategy, but we don't have the other two. I think having all three together really, what I would say is the secret sauce to making sure that you're building a biblical worldview within your students. Yeah, and I would say that we have, you know, such a great resource here at Never the Same called Soul Exercises. Uh, It's this curriculum series of helping your students get engaged on a consistent basis in Scripture. You can pretty much go through these four uh, series packs that we have and getting your students to read almost every book of the Bible, story, and person of the Bible. So that gives you that, you know, second scope and sequence. Um, And basically, we want to partner with you as youth pastors, as youth leaders, as volunteers to help bring the importance of scripture reading to your your groups. And by doing that, um, we can help give you resources that then we can focus on those resources and have you focus on those relationships. A lot of the times we see that uh, youth pastors are bivocational now and, you know, are doing another job while doing youth ministry. And so we can give you all these resources to be able to help you focus on those relationships. And um, you can find those at soulexercises.com. You can email me. My email will be on the on the website. But it's just such an important thing. We brought it all the way back to the top when we talked about 
what is most important uh, in a student's life right now, and that's getting them to realize of the truth of the scripture of the Bible and to help block out all these other worldly views that are trying to, you know, uh, bog them down in their brains. That how can we get them to realize that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the light? And and the thing about soul exercise is that is so unique and different from just about any other resource, and maybe maybe any other resource is the fact that it does integrate into a student's daily life. There's a a daily Bible reading guide, and we found that this to be highly successful. Heard from a lot of youth workers over many years that have said this extra component that soul exercises provides really does help integrate this outside it takes youth group home with the students right. and that's really important and along with all the games and all the other uh, bonus content par- parent resources youth worker volunteer resources there's so much in there but yeah we just want to offer it as a as a way of at least providing a thought process and a, and a great resource at a great price for you because getting your students to engaged in building a biblical worldview we just believe is really the most important thing you can be doing in your youth ministry and if you're interested for thought factory listeners we want to give you 10 percent off your total purchase at soulexercises.com so go on their website and use thought factory 10 check out all our resources you can also click for a free pack just to uh, see what we're all about get a little download to see what it is and ask us any questions that you have so again, we we provide this as a resource, but overall, even over and above that, we want to say again that in these challenging times, there's opportunities. And I love how we've been able to hear from students and they're saying some some great things and some practical ways that we can help them, especially as it comes to where do they even begin in getting the Bible in, integrated into their lives. As you listen to this, keep fighting the good fight to build a biblical worldview. Don't be discouraged. There's so many opportunities. Students are open to the truth. The cement is still wet. Their hearts are still moldable. You are important in this process. You're making a difference. Those of you that are investing in the lives of students, and we just are grateful for you. Thank you for listening today, and we can't wait to join you for the next episode of The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.